Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Welcome to Kidney Talk. Today, I'm going to be talking to Alan Mendelson, who's a very dear friend of mine. He's gone through a kidney pancreas transplant, but he is best known for Alan at Best Buys. You've probably heard him on the radio. You've heard him on the TV. He's an advocate for consumers, and he has a lot of great advice on how to get the best deals. So I am so excited to have Alan on the show today. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. So, you know, Alan, tell us a little bit about, I mean, you, you're an Emmy Award winning reporter. You've accomplished so much. Um, I think I want to start the interview a little bit with how you learned you had kidney disease. Wow. You know, I was an insulin dependent diabetic for 32 years. And I'll tell you, it had a huge impact on my life. And uh, especially being in the news business because it affected how I did business, uh, how I traveled, what jobs I could take, how I performed on my jobs. Anyone who's a a diabetic and insulin dependent knows the the problems that you have, including, you know, insulin shock, insulin reactions. I actually had insulin shock on the air live doing newscasts where where I would start to slur my speech and, and the sweat would start pouring down my face and I couldn't read the teleprompter or even make sense as to what I was doing. I mean, it happened multiple times. And did people think you were drunk or did they know that it was... Um... Well, uh, see, I always covered it up that I was a diabetic. I didn't want people to know because I thought it would, it would affect my career. And it did. I mean, there were people who just didn't know how to deal with a diabetic. It, in fact, I once had an insulin reaction at CBS where I was the assignment editor on a weekend. And I, I really think it impacted what happened to my future at CBS News when I, I collapsed in the newsroom and they had to take me out. They had to call paramedics and take me out in, in, uh, on a stretcher and had to take me to the hospital because, they, they you know, it, it was something that they never saw. And it made people wonder, you know, can can we trust him as an employee? Can we put, you know, because they, they, a lot of people just don't know. And then I'll tell you, it also affected my social life uh, growing up because I became a diabetic at the age of 24. I had girls who wouldn't date me because they said, oh, you're sick. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, for 32 years, I had to go through being a diabetic. And then I knew about 15 years before I actually went and had kidney failure that the diabetes was affecting my kidneys. I would go to my doctor and my normal checkups, and they would, they would check for, for, for kidney damage and kidney function. So I knew 15 years ahead of time that my kidneys were being damaged by diabetes, and I tried everything possible to try to, you know, preserve my kidney function, keep my kidneys healthy. I went to a, a vegetarian diet for 15 years, I gave up meat, I gave up fish, <laughs> I gave up virtually all protein, anything to, tr- to try to do it. And of course, uh, over the next 15 years, you know, the kidney function continued to fail, but I extended it. And then uh, near the end, uh, meaning before, right before I went on dialysis, and I, was, I started to talk to, to doctors about 
transplants, they'd all say, okay, we'll find you a transplant Sunday. We'll find you a transplant. I kept asking them, but what could I do now to save what's left of my kidneys? And at the time, I had maybe 8% kidney function. And what a lot of people don't realize is that you can walk around with 5% kidney function and never know that you're sick. Right. Uh, you know, uh, 5% layer. A lot of people walking around the, this world with only 5% kidney function and don't realize that, that they're on the verge of kidney failure. Right, because you just slowly start to feel bad, too, and you don't really realize it, and it becomes your new normal. That, that's exactly right. You become accustomed to it. The same thing with when you're a diabetic. When you're first a diabetic and your blood sugar shoots up to 200 or 300, you don't think, you know you're sick. But later, over the years of being a diabetic, you get accustomed to high blood sugar levels, and uh, those high blood sugar levels are damaging your body, but you don't realize what's going on unless you, you actually test. Back in those days when I was first a diabetic, they didn't have you know, uh, blood testing kits like you can buy today for, for $19 in, in, in your local drugstore. I mean, to get your blood level uh, checked, you know, you had to go to a hospital, wait two or three days for the test to come back. Not like today where, you you know, you, you prick your finger and 10 seconds later, you know what your blood sugar level is. Right. Now they have the pumps, too, that, you know, just regulate you. Yeah. You want to know something? I, I never used the pump. I, I never wanted to be attached to anything uh, uh, Permanently, I know other diabetics who who use the pump. Uh, it's really a personal choice whether you want to do it or not. Uh, I hate to say this, but I know someone who died using the pump. The pump malfunctioned. Instead of getting a tiny little dosage of of it, he got the whole cartridge of insulin shot into him at one 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 instant. And, Yikes! You know, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yikes! And, and, yeah. and these things are not publicized. But they happen. I mean, right. it's an unfortunate incident. It's an accident. It's not supposed to happen. It happens. Um, it's just a. It's just a horrible thing. Thank I mean, look. Well, it's any type. Any. You know, when you go and you go to the pharmacy, you have to double check your medicine. You might get the wrong medicine. It doesn't mean they're going to always give you the right prescription. You want to know something? I use a mail order. I use a mail order pharmacy now because my insurance plan uh, uses a mail order pharmacy. They sent me the wrong forms of medicine several times. And fortunately, I look. I'm familiar with what the, what the pills should look like. I immediately bring it to everybody's attention. If they sent me a generic and my doctor doesn't want me to use the generic, I have to go and go back to the insurance company and say, no, I'm not supposed to be using the generic on this brand and so forth. Yeah, you got to check. you got to be you're, your own consumer really advocate. <laughs> you have to be your own advocate, right? I mean, no matter what. You got to. You cannot put your faith in anybody else at any time, especially when your life's on the line. And really, your life is on the line. You know, it is. I mean, and it's when you are in a situation where your kidneys don't work or you're, you're diabetic. I mean, there's really no room for error. I mean, I uh, when I was on dialysis, um, I had a high potassium. My I, I rested for six minutes. And it was because they had put the, this is back in the 80s, but they had put the wrong bath on. And um, uh, during dialysis, I always like to say it wasn't my fault. And, you know, this was something that, you know, that I had not been aware of. And following that, I was so afraid to eat potassium in foods because of that experience that I learned everything I could about potassium and food. So that would never happen to me again. And, you know, you, there is no room for error when your heart stops. 
<laughs> no, no. I, I didn't know that about you, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're still here. I know. Well, you know, I'm just stubborn. I'm like a cat. I have like nine lives or something because, uh, you know, you know how you change as you get older. That happened when I was 13 years old. As you change as you get older, you're like, was that really me? Did that really happen to me? Because I'm like, I think it's somebody else, but it's part of my story. And it was, um, uh, you know, I'll never forget it. You know, you feel extremely heavy. I couldn't, all I did want to do, it, because it was paralyzing my muscles. And it paralyzes your muscles, and eventually it paralyzes your heart. And that's how a high potassium can impact you. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your journey of getting your transplant and what that was like. And um, Well, know, because I have a... Actually, it's a fascinating story because I just didn't get a kidney. I also got a pancreas. So when I knew my kidneys were failing and I was close to dialysis, I started to you know talk to doctors about a kidney transplant. What's involved? What do I need to do? I have siblings. I had relatives who were willing to donate. And um, so I go to the uh, St. Vincent uh, uh, Hospital in, in downtown Los Angeles, and I talk to... Uh, one of the leading kidney uh, transplant doctors there. And he, he looks at me and he says, well, if we find you a kidney, do you also want the pancreas? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, what the heck are you talking about, pancreas? And he says, well, we can now do pancreas transplants. I said, well, if I got a new pancreas, I wouldn't be a diabetic anymore. He said, that's right. Now, this goes back six years ago. Mm-hmm. They also told me that uh, pancreas transplants at the time were experimental and my insurance company might not cover it. So they said, okay, and if uh, your insurance company doesn't cover it, are you willing to pay for it? I said, well, how much is it? They said, well, it'll be an additional $3,000. So I looked at them and I said, right then and there, do you want to check cash or, or, or money order or credit card? I mean, $3,000, give me a break. I don't, I, <laughs> who, who the heck wouldn't pay $3,000 out of pocket? Now, of course, the reason is they already have you open because they're doing the kidney transplant. They, they're, just, they're just popping in another component and sewing it up. It's like a blue light special, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a blue light special, exactly. Anyway, my insurance company covered it. So, uh, and I got, I was, I was just blessed one morning. I got a phone call. They said, you know, while I had my relatives, you know, all going through the, the, the screening process for, for, for a transplant, um, you know, I got a call one morning that said, did you eat yet? Did you have breakfast? I said, no. They said, don't eat. <laughs> Come on down. And there I was, and that was at 11 o'clock in the morning when I got the phone call. I didn't have the transplant actually till midnight that night. I bet you you were starving. I mean, because they always call, you know, I've been called several times, and I've had four transplants, and I know that um, it's it's a really precarious situation when they say, did you eat? And, you know, sometimes you just say, oh, I just ate. <laughs> they, they're usually okay with that, but, um, and then you quickly eat just a little snack because, uh, um, I wouldn't recommend that, but it's hard when you're waiting 12, 14 hours without eating. Yeah, it was worse for me because I didn't know if I should take my insulin or not. Right. Remember, I'm still an insulin-dependent diabetic. I That's said, well, what true. do I do about my insulin? Don't take it, just get here, you know. And uh, listen, I had another problem, too. I also had supraventricular tachycardia, which was when sometimes there was an electrical malfunction in my heart and my heart would start racing, you know, 200 or 250 beats per minute. Right? Oh, wow. Sure enough, 
there I am an hour away from going in for my surgery and I get a supraventricular tachycardia attack. My heart starts racing. I figured, oh, my God, they're not going to let me have the transplant. No, I had the transplant, but instead of getting the normal procedure, which is they give you an injection, which slows down the heart, they didn't do that because I was about to have a transplant. No, I had two doctors on either side of me strangling me to cut off the blood flow to my brain to make my heart slow down. Oh. <laughs> How much did they charge you for that? I don't know, but that's what they did. <laughs> I mean, there I am gagging, choking, and they're, they're strangling me to make my heart slow down, and it worked. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. And so you, you basically came out of surgery. Uh, did the kidney and pancreas work right away? Right, right away. Uh, wow. you know, it worked right away. I, as a matter of fact, they sent me home after three days. Wow. Uh, it, it might have been two days. I mean, I was out of there real quick. I mean, I was walking around and, and everything. I didn't have any pain. I didn't have to go and take any morphine, even though they had a morphine drip there for me. If I needed it, I never needed it. Um, uh, so I went home, and two days later, I was back in the hospital because I caught an infection at home. You know, they tell you to get out of the hospital because that's where you're going to catch an infection. No, I caught the infection at home, and I was back in the hospital for about 10 days. Wow. Do you know how you caught the infection? I have no idea. Who the heck knows? You know, you, you, you just, have no immunity system, you know, with all the drugs you're on and everything else, you know. But they tested me for everything. They just couldn't pinpoint what the infection was. Um, so I was there for 10 days. And um, while I was there, I said, oh, while I was there, I had another attack of superventricular tachycardia. <laughs> so they said, well, while you're here, why don't we fix your heart? So I said, okay. So they, they sent me to, and I knew about this procedure for years. Um, it's, it's done on a, just under a local anesthetic because they, they put a couple of wires up your groin that go all the way up your chest into your heart, and they find the nerve in the heart that's malfunctioning, and they shock the nerve. Mm-hmm. And that's what cures it. Um, not life-threatening, but it was a heck of a thing to do. That hurt more than the kidney transplant. Right. I mean, because they don't sew you up after they take the wires out. No, some 600-pound nurse sits on you. Right, with a sandbag. To make the blood uh, vessels uh, close. Mm-hmm. They can't stitch it up, you know. And, and I, that was the most painful thing in the world I ever went through. So you had your kidney pancreas transplant and you're no longer diabetic, what did you choose to eat? Uh, actually, everything changed. Everything changed right after the transplant. Um, you know, I said to the doctor, when can I have a hot fudge Sunday?" He said, right now. So my son was there. I said, go out and find me a hot fudge Sunday." And he couldn't. <laughs> so, but, he brought, but he brought me a pint of coffee ice cream. So, I mean, I was starting to eat things that I hadn't been able to eat for literally for 32 years. Because I, I never abused being a diabetic. I really took good care of myself. On top of that, um, I had been a vegetarian. Now, when I went on dialysis, I was on dialysis for, for six months before I got lucky and got, got a transplant. But um, when I went on dialysis, I had to go off my vegetarian diet. They told me, you must eat meat, especially an hour before your, your dialysis. So Yeah, you need to eat a lot of protein when you're on dialysis. So I was no longer a vegetarian. 
But now, you know, post-transplant operations, I was no longer a diabetic. They said, you want, a, want real soda? I mean, I ordered a real Pepsi uh, instead of drinking Diet Pepsi or Diet Coke. I didn't like the taste of the real stuff. I had two sips of it, and I said, Ugh, this is too much for me. Bring me a diet, you know, and I, I still can't drink real soda, real sugary soda. Can't do it. Uh, but I love ice cream. Mm-hmm. I love cakes. I don't eat candy, but I do like chocolate, you know. Mm-hmm. No, it is. I mean, it's it's such an amazing thing to be able to eat whatever you want. And I've never been diabetic, so I haven't had those restrictions but when I was on dialysis, you know, chocolate, you can't have a lot of phosphorus. And the idea of not having to worry about what you eat because your labs are going to come back uh, incorrectly or out of range is, is, you know, it's very frustrating to have to live like that all the time. And when you don't, you really are grateful for it. Yeah. Listen, and, and I, I have to say this, you know, you, you bring up the thing about what you're grateful for. You know, I, I'll, I have to say this. I wake up every morning crying. I mean... Someone died so mm-hmm. that I could have a kidney pancreas transplant. And if anyone is listening to this and is thinking about making a living donation to someone in need of a transplant, make it. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's better, you know, I don't know if it's survivor's guilt or what it is, but I feel horrible every morning that someone died so that I can enjoy this day. Well, you know, I hear that a lot, Alan. And, you know, one of the things is is they were going to die anyways. And, um, you know, because I've had deceased donors and, you know, the best way is just to live the best life possible and honor them by, you know, making a difference. And, you know, I, I, I tell people who call me about this survivor's guilt is that, you know, they, that was going to happen anyways. It wasn't, you didn't have any, you didn't play any role in it. And the, the, the good thing is, is that they were able to help somebody. And, you know, think of it that way. The people who I admire the most, and I wrote a letter to the, to the family. They, they, they don't tell you who the donor is. You don't know who the family is. But you have an opportunity to write a letter to them and offer to meet them and so forth. I never met the donor family. But um, it, was a, it was a young girl who died, is, is what I was told. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 what I wrote in my letter was, you know, I, in, in your moment of sorrow, in, in such a tragic moment for you to, to think, to donate your daughter's organs to help others live, uh, is just, you know, you deserve a special place with God. Because I know that I got one kidney and, and the pancreas. Someone else got the other kidney. Her, the lungs also went to a, 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 a organ recipient. Uh, I think other organs and, you know, skin and so forth were used. Uh, from what I was told, uh, the heart could not be used because it was too severely damaged in the accident. Uh, but, you know, for these people to think about others in such a moment of tragedy is makes them you know, makes them angels. They, they, they are living angels. It's the only way I can describe it. Well, and now, you know, we have in California, we have Donate Life California, where you can go and sign up and make your wishes known. Um, so your family doesn't have to make that decision. You make that decision, you know, in case something were to happen to you, we, we've done some shows on this topic, and people need to be aware of that because of the fact that, um, 
you know, you don't want to have to have your family make that decision when they, they're in such a grief-stricken mode um, at the hospital, you know, trying to make this life-changing decision for people who need organs. Uh, you know, Alan, you can uh, make your wishes known by going to a website, Donate Life California, and sign up. And you basically, your family doesn't have to make the wishes anymore um, because it's such a difficult time. And what I've learned is that it, if the family takes a long time to make the decision, it actually delays the transplant and the, uh, you know, you only have so much time with an organ. So it's better just to make your wishes known ahead of time if you can do that. So, well, tell us a little bit about your your show. Um, I mean, you know, you're a consumer advocate. Um, you, you're you a big supporter of RSN and, you know, our poker tournament. You like to play poker. It, you know how to beat the odds, obviously, with your story here. So uh, tell us a little bit about your show. Well, my show is actually an outgrowth of what I did on the news for, oh, gosh, I did this on the news for, for 30 years. Um as being the business and consumer reporter, I also used to report on where to get the best deals, the best buys. And then when I left the news business about eight years ago, because I was over the age of 50 and no longer had, and didn't have C-cups like the young blondes they were hiring, um, I had to go find a new career. And uh, some people in the advertising and public relations business said to me, Alan, you, you established yourself as a, as a brand and an advocate for finding bargains. Why don't you do your own television show? And that's how my Best Buys TV show started. And um, I've been doing it now for a little over eight years. We're on, uh, on KCAL TV Channel 9, Saturdays at 5.30 p.m. It's, it's a half-hour TV show. And um, what I do is I report on, on advertisers who have, you know, exceptional deals for the public. Uh, they're not always bargains. Sometimes they're high-priced merchandise, but it's a good value. Uh, sometimes it's just basic information on, on where you can get uh, uh, great service from doctors or lawyers or dentists. Uh, but it's all designed to, you know, educate the consumer. Um, it is a paid advertising program. Yes, I sold out to the other side, but I've got to be careful about who I put on the show because um, my reputation's on the line. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is something that I really enjoy doing. I can't imagine ever being retired. I know. <laughs> I'm 62 years old now. I, I think I'm going to be doing this for another 30 years. I just love this. I, I just love what I do, and I, I, I love going and discovering, you know, values for people. I, 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 I've always been a shopper. <laughs> well, that's something we have in common. Retail therapy, I love. I mean, I do. I Retail therapy, I mean, it's, um, I always tell my husband if we're walking, or if, I said, if there is a 70% or more off sale, that's in the, our marriage contract that I have to stop, and because um, I love, I you know I love new things. I um, and I'm actually I love jewelry and beads and anything colorful, and that's something I've always done. You know, when I haven't felt well, is like I'll make things or I'll get myself around. You know, colorful things. When you walk into a beautiful department store, I mean, so much resources go behind you know creating that environment and you know enjoy it i mean you don't have to buy stuff i mean i usually do but uh, i love anthropology you i just love to walk in the store because how it smells um and the creativity there what so, i like to find though are are the individual retailers 
who have the little out-of-the-way store in the low-rent district that are able to discount prices the way other stores can't. Right, that's, that's so That's what true. I really like to find. And I like to promote those people because they deserve it. Right. You know, I like the people who go and can, can cut out a little hole for themselves in the whole big marketplace and do something good. You know, that's so true. I mean, I went to your website and I found a, a, a person you recommended. We had termites at our house. And I went there and I, I mean, I had the greatest service. It was a great deal. I got some competitive bids. So you really do your homework on who you find to be um, on your, your show because it really was helpful. I have to admit that a couple of times I've been fooled and I have to drop them from my show and remove them from my website and make an announcement that said, I goofed. I had the wrong information because I, I watch these people carefully. And if I get complaints from my audience, I follow up on the complaints because I feel as though I'm responsible. So, uh, you know, the people on my site, the people on my show, it's active. I, I, I watch them. And if there's ever a problem, I will intervene. Right. I mean, I will do that. Uh, because, you know, I, I, have, I have a lot at stake here. It's not just a matter of going on TV and, and getting a paycheck. It's a matter that, you know, my, my reputation is on the line. I mean, I spent, uh, you know, 30, 30, 35 years building a reputation in, in the TV news business. I'm not going to blow it because I'm now doing advertising. Right. No, it's a, it's a great service to the public. And can you tell us again how it's um, the name of your website and how to learn more about it if you're looking to search for some good deals? Yeah, it's alanbestbuys.com, A-L-A-N-B-E-S-T-B-U-I-S.com. Please spell it correctly because we have some people in other countries with make-believe, look-alike websites that want to steal my traffic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's always a good sign, right, when somebody wants to duplicate you. I guess it's the best form of flattery. Well, well, the best form of flattery, right, is when somebody wants to copy you. Yeah, and don't flatter me so don't much. Don't flatter you so much. And any, um, any closing remarks for people who, you know, are waiting for a kidney, maybe a kidney pancreas? Listen, you got to work with your doctors and you got to take care of yourself and you can't wait for it because you may be waiting a long time for the transplant. And the other thing is this, when I was on dialysis one day, the nurse walked, you know, one of the nurses walked into the room saying, oh my God, Joe just got called for a transplant and he's on vacation in Yugoslavia. You know... Uh, don't go on vacation. <laughs> Don't go out of the country. Don't go too far. Huh? <laughs> Don't go too far. I mean, it was, you know, I, I, I mean, my heart went out to him when I heard that and everyone else I, they did too. I mean, like our, our heart sank for the guy. Wow. You know, he, he goes and, and you know, it's, it's, it's a horrible way to live on dialysis. It's a horrible way to live waiting for a transplant. But gosh, you just want to be in the right place at the right time. Well, it's funny that you say that because um, maybe going on vacation helps. Because when um, I was on dialysis for 12 years and then my third kidney, I was called for my third kidney. And I decided to go camping in the mountains of Big Bear that weekend. And um, luckily, I put the information on my, I, I lived alone. And my grandmother was coming over and taking care of my dog and doing different things. And I left the information on my refrigerator of where I was going to be. And the ranger station was able to find me, and I was able to get that kidney in 1990. And I just think, 
what if I hadn't put the information on the refrigerator? And mind you, I hadn't had a call in seven years. So, you know, maybe you need to take a vacation, just a short one, and let your transplant center know where you are. Maybe that's some kind of secret, but um, I always found that very odd. And thank goodness there are cell phones now, because they could... There I'll wasn't in the there I'll wasn't tell you the something 90s. else that I did. I, I, do I, we have time to do this? Yeah, one quick yeah, story? let's hear one more story. We'll wrap I, it up. I, I go to Las Vegas a lot. I go to Las Vegas not only to, for business purposes, because I have clients up there, but also because I want to go to Las Vegas. I'm, I'm bad. So anyway, I, I made arrangements with my host at, at Caesars. Well, this is when I was on dialysis, and I said, look, if I, if I get a call for a transplant, i got to get back to L.A. real quick. He said, I'll fly you down in a private jet. <laughs> so so talk to people. Just let them know what you need, you know, right. and, and because who, who knows what, what, what they'll be able to do for you. Right. You know, it is. And people love to help. That's the best gift is helping others. So give other people the opportunity to help you is also a gift. Well, um, thank you so much, Alan. Um, I appreciate your story and all the work that you do and the help that you give to Renal Support Network. So I'll see thank you. Thank you for all the work you do because you do wonderful things. And, and I don't know that people thank you as much as they should, but you should be thanked a lot. Well, thank you, Alan. I appreciate it. Um, well, thanks, Alan. Um, I learned more about you. I mean, it's um, we'll have to have lunch someday and catch up. But, uh, um, you know, I really admire what you do and I appreciate all your help. Okay, well, thanks. It was right. fun. Okay, have a great day, Alan. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.